Welcome to Old Town New World here in uh, Millstone Pizza in Old Town Rock Hill, South Carolina. I'm Jason Broadwater and we're here to talk about the ever-changing world of small town USA. Today we got a, a great show in store for you here. We, of course, have as a star of the show, behind the mic, Silent Micah. Say hello, Micah. Well said, well said. We also have uh, some other participants here who might stay in the shadows. We'll see what they do. We've got uh, Josiah and David from Rev and Flow. Say howdy, guys. Howdy, guys. Hey. All right, well said, well played. And we also have Mr. Tom Stanley. Now, I've known Tom Stanley, I guess, since maybe 2006, 2007. Tom Stanley's from Winthrop, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna read off of his business card here exactly the name of his 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 uh, title here chair and professor of fine arts master of fine arts advisor department of fine arts that's right well welcome tom well thank you very much for uh, it's great to be here great i appreciate your time and appreciate you coming out tom we uh, i met you because um i think when we first met you were going to bring a group of uh students down and and create like an impromptu art gallery in a in uh, our office down here in downtown rock hill is that is that right i think that may have been one of the first times we um we were trying to create an ongoing presence downtown yeah. uh, with student work and also students so uh I think we did that a couple times, if I recall. Very yeah. cool. And then, of course, I think you needed the space. Yeah, so. right. yeah, I grew into the space. Yeah, exactly. So I had to kick you out. Sorry about that. That's fine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, so why? Uh, let's jump right into that. I mean, why bring students downtown? Uh, well, you know, I, I, I think uh, students, young people, have a lot of great ideas. Uh, they lend energy to an environment like this. Um, you, you know, there are enough people like me down here who are, you know. 50, 40 or over, it doesn't, you know, so having, um, and, and they're going to be the people who are going to create what this town looks like in the years to come, so it's extremely important that they are part of uh, that environment. Yeah, so have you heard, have you experienced a lot of Winthrop students that have never been downtown, at least prior to the past few years? Uh, I don't know that many who've not been downtown. We, we continue a presence downtown in the in the Gettys building yeah. we have students who um, run the uh, loading dock gallery which is really part of the Arts Council but the Arts Council provides us with the space and we try to program that and so students are always having uh, exhibitions there that they organize themselves and brings those people down um, I think they come down for a lot of different reasons whether coming to a place like this or that's very cool. You know, that, that hadn't always been the case, man. I mean, you know, golly. When I grew up here, the, there was a roof on downtown and it was a mall. You know? I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> when did you come to Rock Hill? I came to Rock Hill in 1990. So I, I, I saw the roof and I was, I found, it was interesting. And it, it you know, you, you've seen a lot of, um, and during that time frame, during the 70s and 80s, a lot of town downtowns were mauled. Right. And it's, it's a little unfortunate because it, it it took away from some of the original uh, character, and I think it's important to have a, a, a textural quality to a, a downtown. The old, the new, old signage, new signage. Yeah. I think if it all looks the same, it's unfortunate. No, so, I agree. yeah. So that uh, that was part, what's ironic about that. You know, I know it took federal money to to put a roof on downtown to create a mall-like atmosphere, 
It also took federal money to, to undo it. it. Oh, yeah. But yeah. you know, I call that process. Yeah. You know, and it's hard, you know, it, you can't do great things and then go back and criticize every turn you made, yeah. you know, everything you did, because it's all part of the process of getting well, that was part of. I think that was part of the thinking during that period that there was a lot of competition with malls on the outskirts of town, so trying to create a different type of presence in a commercial area like downtown. It's taken a while, I think, to determine what a downtown will be like in, in, uh, in the 21st century, yeah. so that's part of it. No, I hear you. I mean, that's kind of the theme we talk about all the time. I, well, let's jump off that for a second, because we'll end up back there, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, every conversation I'm in always ends up back there somehow, but uh, let's learn about you. So, where, where are you from? Well, I grew up in, um, in a town not too far from here, uh, Concord, North Carolina. Okay. Uh, before I was, um, um, I came to Rock Hill in 1990. I was in Salisbury, North Carolina for five years. I was a director of a visual arts center there. Very cool. Before that, um, in Miami, okay. Florida, and before that, in a small town in Arkansas, okay. Arkansas, uh, Batesville, Arkansas. What took you to Arkansas? Um, a job teaching at a small school there, college okay. there. Um, and before that I was in Columbia where I did my graduate work at USC. And uh, before Columbia, this gives you an idea how I've been around. Before Columbia I was in uh, uh, Passaic, New Jersey. Okay. I worked in um, the design industry uh, there and worked in, in and out of New York and in Passaic. And, Brought me back down to, uh, ironically, to High Point, North Carolina, a couple oh. times a year. So yeah. uh, that was quite a, an experience. Before that, Richmond, Virginia. So I, you know. So you just told us your life story backwards. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not, there's a lot of stuff in between, but that's true. Yeah. 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 Okay. So did you, um, if you were working in the industry, did you set out to to eventually be a professor, or did that just come about as you? Um. It it. I, I, I guess I fell into it in a way when I went back to graduate school at uh, USC. It seemed like a, a, a way to kind of continue the things I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, when I when I was working in the design industry in New York, I'll be honest with you, I, I it wasn't my favorite job, and it may have just been the personalities, but it was also probably one of the best experiences I had ever had in terms of learning how to navigate um, ideas and navigate places and people and things so uh, from that point I think I began to realize I needed to be back in an in educational environment yeah. and to try to influence people in a different way so that's really what took me um, into uh, working in colleges and, and in art departments. Was the place that you were in in New Jersey anywhere near East Orange? East Orange, oh, I can't. Well, Passaic, Passaic was on Route Three. I know that, might, and um, okay. and Twenty One. So it was, it was, you know, you could take the the, the, the train into into New York without any problem. Okay. In fact, that was a great thing. Uh, my wife and I probably were in New York more than people, most people in New Jersey, because oh, okay. it, was, it was a okay. great place to to visit. So we spent a lot of time in in the city uh, as well, and. Uh, from that standpoint, it was a great experience as well. What, what I did there primarily was I, uh, I made prototypes for the wall accessory industry. And, um, and so I learned a little bit about uh, photography in terms of product photography, in terms of uh, marketing. Our main, main 
one of our major uh, buyers was Bloomingdale's, so I, I would hang the shows at Bloomingdale's on 59th Street and That's also cool. in Long Island, so, yeah. and also our Madison Avenue show. So I kind of got, you know, dealt with a lot of our artists and designers who did, who designed um, for us, and then one of my jobs was doing, making the prototypes for uh, manufacturing. And, well, I wonder why um, the, uh, you know, working in the private sector with names like the names, the Bloomingdale's, all this, it seems so kind of, to use a sexier, so to speak, yet in education you're influencing lives and, and, and yet it people are like, you know, want to shout from the rooftops that they worked on a product that's going to hang on a wall, you know yeah, what I mean? I know. I, what, what is that about? Well, I, 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 I'm, I'm not really sure. I, um, I wasn't totally impressed at the time, so it, it really, yeah. yeah, so I, I was interested in getting back uh, um, now you know back down south it wasn't that I didn't find that interesting I mean they had great pizza great beer right. <laughs> and all of the above and I frequented a lot of jazz clubs and at that time so a lot of things I enjoyed about it I was just really trying to put my priorities in a different order but again I, I had a uh, in retrospect I learned a, quite a bit from that that experience and I use those ideas still to this day huh. Uh, for sure. So you came to Rock Hill because of the job at Winthrop? Yeah, I was in, a, I was in Salisbury, North Carolina as the director of a, the Waterworks Visual Arts Center there. And I, I heard about this job and they had a, a failed search and someone called me and said, okay, I, I, I'd like to interview for it and just see what happens. So uh, I had a one-year contract originally as the first gallery director at, at Winthrop University, full-time gallery director. And I continued uh, doing that until uh, 2010. Okay. And uh, I'd already become chair though in 2007. So since that time, I've really enjoyed uh, being a chair of a department and doing things very differently than I'd ever done before. Yeah. The last thing I ever wanted to do uh, when I was in higher ed was deal with things like uh, um, course numbers and section numbers. And right. but now I do that a lot. But but more importantly, I really try to determine how that impacts faculty and, and students and how we, I can support faculty in their efforts to uh, really change the lives of, of young people. So that's, my, well, that's, so that's what I enjoy. That's kind of the servant leader model that, you know, that you, uh, to be a true leader, you serve the people that, are, that you're leading so that they can do, be, uh, you know, not hindered by all that stuff. Well, there's a lot of stuff that they could be hindered Yeah, about. right. But uh, yeah, I try to to, uh, to work with that as best as I can, and and sometimes I, I try to overlook things that may or may not be important anyway. So, uh, but it's been interesting for sure. The, I I will back up a little bit. Um, when I was at USC, another thing I think that was very important um, that I became involved in that was very very different than what I'll call the she-she world of, uh, that I was involved in and Bloomingdale's and in in that fashion industry, I became very interested in the work of outsider artists. And so... Um, so explain what outsider artist is. Well, um, it's typically the work of, of individuals who had, have no academic training in, in art and have very little you know, uh, connection to mainstream art or related institutions. And they're not applying critical theory to what they're doing. No, they're just no, doing not at all. Exactly. And what probably one of, since I spent a lot of time on 95 going back and forth to home and to New Jersey and 
um, my wife lived in the D.C. area, probably one of the first things I ever saw that had a tremendous impact on me was, the, uh, was James Hampton's throne, which is in the American Museum on 8th and G Street, which is part of the Smithsonian. And James Hampton's throne uh, is a, an unbelievable work of whatever you want to call it. It's a work of visionary art, and it's, you know, Number, it's like hundreds of pieces, but probably 50 or 60 main pieces, uh, including an altar, thrones, crowns, a lot of things of that nature. And it was done by a, um, an individual who was originally from South Carolina, but who found himself after World War II in, in Washington as a janitor for the government. And during the day he Cleaning up the government's mess. <laughs> yeah, cleaning up the government mess. But he had actually rented a, an old garage and began building this throne, unbeknownst to anyone else, and it's just a phenomenal work. It's, it's spiritual, it's visionary, and it's really awe-inspiring, but it wasn't discovered until after his death. Wow. And people speculate that it, he was making it to create a storefront church, but no one really knows. But it is just the, one of the most beautiful things uh, I ever had a chance to see at that time. And so it, it inspired me a great deal yeah. to go on and since he had been from South Carolina originally, and, and I found myself in graduate school in South Carolina, I wanted to see what else I could find in South Carolina. So I spent a lot of my graduate um, career in the late 1970s trying to identify uh, artists of that nature huh. in, in the state, in North Carolina and Georgia. So you're not looking for a folk artist. You're looking for like a fairy genius yeah, in the folk exactly. art well, scene. Well, in a sense, yeah, because a lot of people would suggest that uh, uh, folk art is, is certainly more part of a traditional art form, like a tab of pottery, right. which I you know love and enjoy, and, right. and especially the people who made it. But I uh, but the work that I began looking at originally was based upon an, an individual vision. So it's and, like an individual is transcending somehow the his own perspective on what he's creating to some extent. Well, yeah, it has a, a singular vision like no yeah, other. And right. so that's what's uh, fascinating about it. Yeah. Huh. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. So <clears throat> when you came to uh, Winthrop, um, is there any any aspect of the fine arts program at Winthrop that goes into outsider art? That, well, that, I, I don't know that there's any aspect of that that goes into outsider art. When I did come to Rock Hill, however, after I'd kind of um, not been involved in that for a while because when I was in graduate school I, I, I organized an exhibition for the Columbia Museum of Art that was based upon uh, some of that work. But when I came back to Rock Hill I had not been involved in it for a while. However, um, an administrative assistant at Winthrop told me about a, a gentleman in downtown Rock Hill uh, that did drawings. Um, and um, at Watkins Grill, which was originally on Main Street. Yeah. Uh, and so I came down and, and tried and, and just introduced myself to this man who would draw at Watkins Grill. And, and that was the first time I met uh, Gene Merritt, who, um, interestingly enough, you know, is, is, is an artist that could be defined as an outsider. Um, and, and my relationship, you know, working relationship with Mr. Merritt really kind of changed my life wow. a great deal. Um, and he, he died this past May. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Well, you know, it's just, he was older for sure. He was born in 1936 in Columbia, South Carolina. But um, 
Merritt went on to you know be in collections all over the world. Wow. And so I'm still uh, working with his drawings and, and deciding to trying to determine how we can um, reintroduce Merritt's work to a broader audience. Yeah. But it's just really fascinating that an individual like can can be here in our own community and what was great about it is so many people within the community befriended him because he would sit at a table in Watkins Grill and, and draw every day before the lunch crowd came. Right. And uh, the owner and waitresses at Watkins uh, treated him as, as a regular, like they did the politicians who would right. be there, like the, all the other the breakfast clubs. He was one of the, the people who help give it a particular identity. If you yeah. recall, Watkins Grill was like a little museum. Yeah. And so... With the ice cream cone on top outside of, is that the one, the Watkins Grill? What was the, they, the hot, they were, uh, the hot, hot dog was their yeah, yeah, important yeah. Uh, yeah. part of the And then ice cream eventually too. Yeah, so, um, and of course breakfast was very popular. They didn't yeah. serve dinner, but breakfast and lunch. Yeah. And it eventually moved around the corner across the street from um, City Hall. Okay. Um, but, um, Gene was a very important part of that, and and um, the work he did, though a lot of people didn't necessarily think of it as uh, art by most standards, you know, really. <laughs> Why was it? What was it like? Can you describe it? He he drew a lot of uh, portraits from his imagination, typically of popular culture, figures from popular culture, memories from uh, movies, television, magazines, so. Uh, from that standpoint, it was a lot of things that we were familiar with, right. but he drew it in a very distinctive style. Yeah. And uh, um, though he tried to sell it at Watkins Grill, sometimes he just gave it away, yeah, whatever right. the case might be. But you know, they're in, in some pretty important collections now. Wow! And um, that's amazing. Yeah, it is. It's it's really neat. But it really speaks about human creativity and expression more than anything else. It also speaks to, you know. <clears throat> The younger artist who is seeking fame for validation of their art, it's hard to appreciate the idea that after you get old and die, maybe yeah. your stuff will be in a global, well, globally yeah. recognized. Yeah, I, think, I think the most important thing, and this is what I think Gene proved, is just the idea of making it was probably one of the most important things. Like the process, the activity. The process, the activity, and, yeah. and that really provided an identity for him. Yeah. Uh, He's and, the guy that drew things in downtown. He was the guy yeah. who drew at Watkins Grill. Yeah, right. And so that, that made a big difference in his life. Yeah, and so that was cool. That was cool. Yeah. So yeah, just to give you a context, that's what I, one thing that's been important about uh, being in Rock Hill and being in Winthrop. And of course, uh, beyond that, of course, I think being involved in uh, the larger community has been really important as yeah. well. Well, I always, anytime I see your name, it's because you are, you, you're pushing some idea, you got some idea or something going on, you're interfacing in some way with the city or the economic development crowd or whatever. Like this thing, the sculpture garden you guys did, you were involved in that or pushed that or did that, right? Yeah, we were, um, I'm really fortunate that um, we have excellent faculty in the Department of Fine Arts uh, and people who are very energetic. Again, I'm, I'm, I try to support them. Uh, Sean Cassidy, who's the head of the uh, sculpture area. He is was the one that uh, y'all two were, in, when we did the thing in the studios in my office, it was you and Sean. Yeah, and... and did I tell you, I'm sorry I interrupted. Yes, did I tell you that when I did this program, this leadership program, it was like leaders from the whole 16 county area around Charlotte, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I was 
one of the days, it was like a year-long program, and one of the days we went and did this kind of art therapy style thing, you know, and the leader of the oh, whole thing was Sean. Sean, yeah. Yeah, he does the Innovation Institute for the McCall Center for yeah, Visual that's Arts. Yeah, it was, yeah. And um, he's a very uh, creative and innovative individual. And so that's um, one of the things he does on the side, but he's, he's influenced a great number of people uh, through that process. But he was instrumental in, in helping to develop the sculpture garden at, at, at Maine and Constitution. And it's an ongoing project. They'll probably do a new rendition of that uh, in the coming year, uh, putting the sculpture on poles that they've done every year. So that's been a, a great ongoing uh, project. So let me explain for our for our uh, <clears throat> millions of listeners that aren't in the United States here uh, and haven't been to Rock Hill. Oh, you are on point. Thank you so much. Um, the sculpture garden. So downtown Rock Hill is about <clears throat> what a mile from Winthrop. Uh, about that. Yeah, and the whole kind of uh, goal is to connect it uh, seamlessly to Winthrop, so that from Winthrop through the other side of downtown, it's all one. Uh, cohesive, you know, type of uh, place, um, and that placemaking is at the center of all the economic development activities going on in Rock Hill right now. To much acclaim and success, as I travel around to speak, people have heard about Rock Hill. I, I was somewhere. I was in Statesville, which is not very far away, but I was in Statesville the other day speaking, and I was speaking to a group from like City Council and these other folks. And this guy said, "So y'all have 52 projects active in Knowledge Park?" And I thought. Really, do we? How do you know that? He started telling me about projects. I'm thinking, how do you know this? But anyway, um, so a lot of the things that are going on are, you know, Rock Hill's been good about being open to people who pitch ideas. It seems to me they have been, or at least there's one way in or another. And what you guys have done is come in and pitch ideas that are about getting students involved in downtown and about getting art to have, to not be, and tell me if I'm saying this wrong, but to not be like, over there closed up in a closed space where I have to go over there and go inside and yeah. look at it but instead to be in the fabric of my experience in the downtown and the sculpture garden is right here on Main Street the end of Main Street and it's a how big is the property oh it's what a quarter of an acre yeah it's a quarter of an acre with these big poles on it and at the top of each pole is a They're the sculptures that change periodically it's usually a sculpture one project and it involves um, welding, um, painting, I mean, colorful um, metal typically or other materials. And it's on poles so it creates a sense of safety from people trying to get up and ride it. So it, 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 it's there visually for people to work with. And it's a great project for students because they know that their work is going to be uh, visible to a lot of people. So there's extra effort to make sure that it's gonna work and last for a while. You know, and, but that certainly has been one of the things we've we've attempted to do, and I think that uh, Rock Hill has provided us a type of canvas and opportunity to do that, which you aren't going to find in a lot of communities. Um, it's not only one of the first projects that was done down here, and probably a lot of people haven't noticed this, are uh, metal signs, historic signs on some of the streets, especially right in downtown. Yeah, and they refer to. Uh, They'll name the street, but also have a historical reference. Oh, really? Yeah, and they, you'll. I even noticed yeah, that. well, you have to go back and look. Oh, They've yeah, been well, there so long that probably a lot of yeah. people don't. So that was one of the first well, then projects. There's also the bike racks. The bike racks. That was a project with uh, economic development and the, and the Rock Hill Bike Club. 
you know, bicycling, cycling in general has become an important part of uh, the Rock Hill culture. And so uh, students had an opportunity to make proposals to uh, individuals from the bike club and, and the city of Rock Hill and the Arts Council to uh, develop bike racks, which are essentially small sculptures they that could also yeah. hold it's bikes. funny, Tom, they're so eclectic and interesting yeah. that my favorite thing that happened was when the city started just like hooking bikes to them so that people yeah. could know that they yeah, were bikers. That's what it was, yeah. yeah. So that, that's been a, that was a great project as well. And we have a lot of uh, students who continue to make bike racks and have requests for bike racks at other agencies as well. So cool. that has been a great project. One of uh, a project um, just last year or over the past two years was, was working with uh, School District 3 in Rock Hill and working with middle school students and their designs that they proposed for Fountain Park. Wow. And so we then took their designs after a selection process, altered them and made them uh, feasibly, them yeah. yeah, made them so they work, but we essentially produced the work, uh, a bike rack, another, cool. another bike rack at, at, at Winthrop, as well as pavers that were, that were created and inspired by um, uh, elementary school drawings. That is so cool. So, so a little <clears throat> explanation here. Fountain Park was a parking lot that wasn't used that was on the south side of downtown and um, it's been turned into this park that is a beautiful park but um, it's also just a symbol of kind of like significant new development is happening and, and on one corner of it a 40,000 square foot office building was built, Class A office space. There's plans to do a boutique hotel and all this other stuff, looking over the park, residential and stuff. So the park was this kind of this bold symbol of like um, the city's changing this area in a big way kind of thing. And to include elementary school kids and college kids in that process, I think is just exactly what we need. Yeah, it's, it's been a great opportunity. And, and from that, other things have uh, emerged. Like uh, one of our recent grads, Matt Horick, who was a resident at McCall this past summer, also was commissioned, in large part because of that project, to do a, a, a monolith water piece, which is now in the courtyard of the new Comporium building. Really? Yeah, and so we're, it's a, you know, it was a great commission for him. Very cool. So uh, that's been, uh, as an outgrowth of that, we hope we'll be doing some other things downtown as part of this um, redevelopment. We have some things going. going. I don't oh, want to man. talk about them until sure they're firmed up. But, yeah, the, right. but um, certainly we tried to be involved whenever possible in, in consulting or in, in on the selection process of working with the, uh, the loom project at, at the cotton mill, for example. Yeah, right. So we were involved in that. And, and oh, of course, really? in, in helping have someone come in who could help facilitate that project on a larger scale? I mean, we got so much talent right over there at Winthrop. We got to be using well, it. Well, I mean, we're, uh, they, you know, the city does. We are, yeah. And, yeah. Then, and then, of course, uh, uh, there. Then too, the, uh, the 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 project with regard to uh, the wall that's being the new mural and, and the and the walkthrough. Oh, the new residential building that's being yeah. built. Yeah, right. Yeah, we were. Yeah. yeah, we were happy to be part of that selection process as yeah, well. Right. And, yeah. that, and that's been a and that's been an important thing that I think that we can try to do. And so it's uh, it's I, I I think that it's harder to pinpoint you know the 
how that works for, for everyone, but it does work. Yeah. Because the issue with design and the built environment and, and art, whatever you want to call it, I, I think it really makes a memorable experience for people yeah. as they come into a, a downtown like Rock Hill and they begin to develop that sense of place. I agree. Man. And, it's, and it's not only that, but it, you know, I'll go back to my friend Gene. It's things like that that helped create a sense of place as well. Yeah. And so it's trying to kind of uh, enhance and, and embrace all of that that becomes really important. Amen. I, you know, as I travel to communities, there's a couple things that I say, inspired by people like you, you know, your work and several other people, but a couple things I say. One is about education. I always say, you got thousands of kids doing arbitrary assignments to learn skills so that hopefully one day they can put those skills to use on real projects. Yeah. Why not have them learning the skills on real projects to begin with? Yeah. That's one thing I talk about. The second thing I talk about when I go around is I talk about the new economy is like Florence of the Renaissance, right? It's a rebirth of the creative class, it's a contracting economy, it's all this stuff, and it's all about, you know, if you look at Florence, and I, I won't soapbox too long, but if you look at Florence, it wasn't the natural port Venice was a natural port and it was the wealthiest place. Florence decided they were going to be an amazing place. They invested in public art, infrastructure, and everything, made themselves an awesome place, and then they have now for hundreds and hundreds of years been the symbol of the rebirth of the whole Western civilization. It's because they decided to invest in their place, and the new economy is that. So these things you talk about, the sculpture garden, Winthrop being involved in the Comporium South Fountain Park, and the Family Trust Project, and all that, these are part of us being part of the new economy. Well, the Family Trust Project, um, interesting you should mention that, that there'll be a, a, a large reception for that opening unveiling of that work tomorrow. And then just so everyone knows, that project has been about two years in the making. Uh, and actually, uh, Lee Gardner, the CEO at Family Trust Federal Credit Union, came came to us and, and asked us to um, get students involved at the onset of the development and design of that building in creating uh, site-specific art and design to change how people would perceive a, a federal credit union, which is a really important asset to this community. Yeah. And so students made proposals for, uh, for, the, for Lee, the CEO, as well as his design team from Charlotte, including architects, engineers, interior designers. Uh, and through that process, uh, a, a variety of students making you know, proposals, digital proposals with budgets, uh, timelines, wow. the whole ball of wax, it was narrowed down to six students who created site-specific works for this new building. And what was important about that, doing it from the onset, we were able to work with their interior designers, engineers, and architects to change the design if it needed to be, because that's what pub real public art is about. It's a collaborative process. Yeah. The students learned what that was about on one hand, but also being able to, if we needed that wall to have more support because there was going to be a, something very heavy hanging on it, it could be done in advance. If there was lighting that needed to be uh, put in place, it could be done as part of the bid process. Part of the bid process. So, uh, I have to, you know, I I, I, I tell uh, Mr. Gardner this all the time. They did it the right way. Well, I've got to tell you that you couldn't have played better into my metaphor for Florence, Italy, because Florence was run by the guilds 
which were the bankers and the artists who came together and made decisions together about the place. The fact that Lee, the banker, brought in you, the artist, from the beginning, said, let's do this, that is that is such good vision. It's such a good way to do things, you know. Well, and I and I, I will say this. I, you know, that once again, uh, our professor of sculpture, Sean Cassidy, was was the person who really was a, one of the driving forces in the entire process, together with the students. And I'll I'll note this because Sean has a great deal of experience in, in public art. Yeah. And uh, uh, he's done a great deal in Charlotte as well as well as other places. Right now both he and I have a, a contract with the light rail. Oh cool, very cool. In Charlotte. He has the Bacullus station and I have uh, uh, Tom Hunter station. Very so cool. so wow. I mean yeah. these types of experiences. Well, tell that, him to run it down to Rock Hill. Yeah well that'll yeah well uh, hopefully that will happen that. someday yeah, I hope yeah. so. But this type of professional experience really helps the process Sean is working on so many projects in that area and has so much uh, technical expertise that I don't think a lot of people associate with artists. But you really know, have to know so much more when you're dealing with this. Not only engineering standards, but uh, codes. Uh, Because otherwise you just come in and blow up the process and nobody needs that. No, no, you have to really know what you're doing and, and you really have to think be able to think like a contractor, think right. like an engineer, yeah. as well as an artist. And work to, with those folks. And work with those folks yeah. and have the ability to compromise with people. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, you know, I know we romanticize the um, uncompromising artist, but... I um, don't know such a thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Starvation has a tendency to... No, I mean... <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, I, mean, I, I, I think that that is a... Uh, that's... There are some people who certainly feel that way, and, and but if you're working in the public sector, you really have to, you know, work like anyone else right. would. In and and my, my thoughts around that is, is not the, I joke about this, you know, starvation and start capitalism kind of response to that. My real response to that is that um, if you are working in the public sector, you're doing something for public good, not for your own uh, singular uh you know, vision as an artist, you're participating in a process that's going to have an impact on the public. So it's collaborative and it's inclusive and all that. So it's everybody's got to like give and take, give and take, give and take. Stakeholders, everyone I think becomes part of that process and that's what makes it, um, what makes it memorable because if the stakeholders aren't involved, they're not going to care about it. Exactly. And so everyone has to care about it and own it at some level. And uh, I think that, that that is part of the learning experience we try to instill within the program also at Winthrop is, uh, is you know, you have to do it right and have to work with people because, yeah. you know, it is about people. I bet the students, what, a, what an amazing experience the students get doing these projects. Well, it's, uh, you know, I was just trying to tell somebody the other day, I, I wish more people realized that because it's, it's, in some ways, it's a model for other uh, institutions yeah. because we've had the great opportunity, even on the campus of Winthrop, to uh, students to be able to design and fabricate a lot of the sculpture, a lot of the seating, a lot of uh, things that we what see in the seating? seating. What is that? 
uh, people where you sit. Oh, seating. Oh, gather, oh really? Gathering, okay. gather, okay. gathering <laughs> sorry, areas. I didn't people know what you where mean. people will gather. Okay, I'm sorry. Gotcha, gotcha. But anyway, and, and also a lot of the work in the Giorgio Center, whether it be digital or oh, very cool. yeah. hanging from the ceiling. Or lo- so there's there's been a lot of things we've been very pleased that we've had an opportunity to do uh, on campus as well and downtown. So I, I think it, it really says a lot um, about what uh, higher ed and, and an institution can do with a community. Oh, absolutely, man. I, I think this is the future of education. You, yeah. you talk about justification of educational budgets based on like workforce development and stuff. We got it wrong. It's not like people go into a hole for four years and then when they come out, can you quantifiably justify the productivity they have on day one of exiting that hole? It needs to be it com- fully integrated with the community. Oh, it's got to be, yeah. yeah. And and occasionally you need to do things too that are um, are totally imaginative. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. yeah, we've had a great pleasure of, of knowing some great people in this community uh, and, and uh, who've helped us fund some those imaginative projects as well. Yeah. One project we did uh, a few years ago was uh, one at the new um, Fine Arts uh, uh, Arts Center facility. The wooden thing? Yeah. Oh, that the was Patrick cool, Doherty man. The Patrick Doherty piece, yeah. Uh, yeah. which was titled Ain't Misbehaving. And Patrick Doherty is an artist from Chapel Hill, but he's known internationally for his work with uh, saplings. He works with maple saplings or other types of saplings, small trees that um, collects from forests because they're going to be cut down anyway and creates sculptural pieces out of these. Yeah, and by just twining them together. Twining basically. together almost yeah. like a basket weave. Yeah. But creates some beautifully imaginative work. Yeah. And what we, we wanted Patrick to do that here because he's one of the most articulate artists in explaining what he does. Yeah. And he isn't someone, and that, we wanted students to realize that too, because he is someone who doesn't hide behind his title as artist. Right. If someone stopped, and he always works in the public, and he's out there working, doing it while, so people, if, so if someone stops and asks, well, what are you doing? He talks about it. He stops everything and explains it. So important, because think about it, and, I, and he, he must be onto this. I mean, what is the purpose of it? It's yeah. not, again, and it's not, his own if it was just his own thing he could be in his own garage creating something for himself yeah he's affecting public consciousness you know and what what he does too is he he looks for volunteers uh to help him in this process and in our case it was uh people from the community and our students who helped create the piece so it's just not him yeah very cool so he's good at kind of rallying people around yeah it's a great great example great and you got to be i mean that's strategically important like if you and I'm, I'm kind of speaking to communities out there if you if you kind of have a tiny group of people that understand how art is an, an integral part of what's happening with the new economy and you you just kind of force it in and you don't explain it and you yeah. kind of snub your nose at the people who don't understand you're not going to affect any positive change yeah and unfortunately that was that was part of a I think especially in the 70s and 80s we saw a lot of that I think people have learned that they really need to embrace the community and understand what a community is all about in order to make something successful. Um, And and so I think that that's been a big shift and I think in our program we're we're well aware of that and try to make that happen at some level.
Yeah, I guess people create art for different reasons, right? So what we're talking about is people who want to affect positive change in the world by working through community development, well, through art. Yeah. Well, certainly one thing that uh, I think we have a big misunderstanding in general because uh, art has become such a, you know, a red flag, the word itself, right, yeah. and it shouldn't be. Because if you look, um, even within our own community, I look at the, 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 the Gettys building, you know, which was kind of a WPA era yeah. building. You look at it carefully. There's art all over that building oh, that makes it what it is. Oh, <laughs> I mean, and, and we don't think of it as art, but really it is. It's the type of design that enhances that building, whereas if it was a, a plain, you know, just totally functional building, it yeah. would be it wouldn't be the same. Right. And we see that in architecture and, and, and within our built environment, those things that we want to save, you we see that there. Yeah, you're right. And that's and that's even talking about things that I think uh, most people appreciate as what art is, even though they don't see it when they're in the building, but like decorative things that make something more kind of pretty, quote unquote, versus you said something earlier about the seating, which I misunderstood what you said, but seating, I um that made me really think you know what? Everything's designed. Even the chair you're sitting yeah. in, somebody designed it. So the most functional things are designed. And we as a community, like, I'm working on my kitchen right now. Yeah. And I thought, I'll hire somebody who come in and do all this, and I'll just be at work, and I'll just pay, cut them a check, and I'll be done with it. Well, it turns out that didn't work out. So I'm in there cutting wood and framing in my doorways, and all of a sudden, I feel like an artist because yeah. I'm creating functional space I'm having to create it. Whether I make it boring or interesting, it doesn't matter. I'm choosing one way or the other. Yeah. So everything's designed. And certainly it's about the, the, the human scale and how you as you and your family were going to relate to that scale and to that space. Yeah. And that's something we have to think about is what, who is our audience yeah. and how we are going to uh, make work, regardless of what it is, whether it's art, whether it's an automobile, no matter what it is, right. how it is going to relate to the human scale and human function, and how it's no, going to make right. it more. Uh, well, if everything's designed, Tom, what is art? Well, that's in a good. In four question. words, <laughs> <laughs> in ten seconds. It's a human spirit. <laughs> All right, good answer. Damn, well played, um, Josiah. Josiah, you were an artist. You graduated from Tom's department. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. Um, when you create art, are you creating it for an audience, for an experience, or are you just doing it as an emotional process? Like, what is art to you when you create it? Um, well, I, a lot of my artistic output in the last couple of years has been music. And a lot of that is really like the passionate, kind of you know, more artistic stuff. And a lot of the visual art that I've been making, I've been getting people to commission me to make portraits for them, basically. So, so you kind of have to um, kind of have a co-vision with the person who's commissioning it with you, kind of. Um, I mean, I show them my work beforehand, and then I pretty much, I, I just, I just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they pay you. They, they, know what, they know what they're gonna get, pretty much. Yeah. Um, but that does, that really makes it a lot easier when you, you know that this is like, you know that this is already going into someone's home. It's going to be appreciated because it's it's them or it's their loved one. That that cuts out, you know, like um, a lot of the, the the problem with art is that you're designing 
the problem and then you're solving it. Right. So with this, you don't have to design the problem. The problem. So, so when you do, uh, I mean, when you make music, when you create music, are you thinking about the audience? You got to be thinking about the audience to a certain extent. I mean, you're thinking it sounds awesome, but you're thinking like those other dudes are going to think it's awesome too, right? I mean, you got to be thinking. Um. Well, I mean, recently I've been making stuff that's like pretty extreme and. It's not, that you are don't you doing like. that or are you thinking, oh, they're going to think it's extreme? I mean, is there a they? Is there a they in the process of creating art? Yeah, like, well, last, last week I, I had, like, one of my first performances of this new musical project. I've been working on it. It was really abrasive and, like, I didn't know if a lot of people would like it. And people reacted to it really well. And it's really, you know, it's kind of what I wanted to do. That's, that's more of, like, this, the singular, like, artist's vision. That was, you know, it was, like no compromise it was exactly like what I wanted and that can produce like really awesome results yeah. and I think within that eye vision is a notion of um, uh, con- confrontation with the they or uh, surprising the they or like the, uh, the eye I think the eye exists in the they because there's always a community and, and so you know Tom when you educate students when you help students educate themselves about what art is, are you? Do y'all delve down into like the difference between what Josiah is experiencing in terms of creating an I singular vision that will might disrupt a they versus a collaborative they experience? Well, I think it's got to be both. Okay. Um, because there are all types of of expression, and and I think we as people want all types of expression. When when we talk about Authenticity. Josiah is talking about something that's authentic in terms of him. People right now are desperate for something that's authentic oh, as well. Yes. And so you, yeah, uh, you see that in our political situation right now. Whether it's truly authentic or not, it remains to be seen. Right. But the point is that people are looking for some element of truth. Yes. And sometimes that which comes from the individual and speaks of that individual's idea of what truth is and they really believe it and it's authentic, people admire that. Oh yeah, I agree and, with that. And yeah. so I think that that's extremely important. Yeah. Uh, you know, so that's one part of it. And it's something that you can't deny. At yeah. the same time, what, I, you know, when we, what we've been talking about is, is, is an area which is, is of course a little bit different. Yeah. And I certainly couldn't exist if I didn't do both. Right, yeah. Um, so you need that time to be a naked Williams, Carlos Williams writing poetry after exactly. it, late at night, and you need to be in the public interfacing with ch- exactly. You change. you need to have an opportunity where you can be a wild man playing a harmonica, for example, or you're doing something else altogether. <laughs> yeah, so right. you got you, you, all those things become part of uh, I think the human experience. Yes. And they both feed each other in a unique way, just as relationships feed each other in a unique way. So I think all those those are, are part of it. And you're certainly gonna find people who are desperate to hear something that's real. Yeah, and I think that's gonna always be there. I mean, yeah. you know, I think right now we have a lot of tangible examples of that with things like, it just I mean, just look at us drinking craft beer and eating at a table that was handmade by somebody with nails and screws out of the wood that was ripped out of this building yeah. versus buying it from uh, you know commercialtables.com you know what I mean like 
that is a level of authenticity that we're now seeking in our daily experience, you know? Well, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's part of that, certainly that experience. And I think people are really, really are, are, are desperate for that on a lot of levels. And we certainly can hope that it continues to be part of that um, longing of that human experience. Yeah. Because it makes a big difference. Well, so Josiah, when is like wanting to like create something radical and put it in front of people that may or may not like it, when does when does it that just become like masturbating in front of a group of people? Um <laughs> I mean like really threw me on the spot. In your here. personal, <laughs> right. in your in your personal, personal experience. experience. <laughs> Would Pee Wee Herman say no? I mean is that is like when is it shock jock not art? to um, throw kind of like kind well, of I mean there is like a there's a feedback loop and like you know like you you do consider audience you know maybe you have the broad appeal maybe you're Thomas Kincaid and Nickelback <laughs> or maybe you're appealing to like a more highbrow crowd and then maybe you're appealing to like a super small sliver of like all people like super niche like very like you know incredibly small audience um and if you if you kind of know what you're if you know who you're trying to appeal to at the outset then you know you can gauge whether or not they're reacting to what you made but um yeah i i had this i had this discussion with uh michael gentry the other night um there's we we were watching this band play this like 10 minute long song it was just, it was, you know, there, there are some great 10 minute long songs. <laughs> this one was not. And I was like, you know, that's, that's what self-indulgence means, Mike. Right. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, I, I, I get it. So. I don't mean to judge other people. And it's not like everybody has to do everything that they do for the community good. I mean, we, like Tom said, we need both sides of that. We need self-expression. We need all that stuff. Um, I'm just interested in the nature of art. I mean, you know, I a lot of us define art as, you know, we look at it and it looks like art. It looks like a piece of sculpture. It, it sounds like a song. It looks like a... But then you think about it, everything's designed. When you walk down Main Street, everything around you, the sidewalk curves and gutters and everything is designed. Is that art? Well, it certainly is. Uh, if it's done well, it's good design because it, it does take into consideration how a, a person moves, yeah. safety, a lot of issues like that. Whereas some art, you know, may be what we consider to be ugly, right. or maybe uh, something that we consider not that we don't want to look at. Um, so, so, you know, do you want to look? You know, a lot of people would say, uh, "I was reading something today. Someone showed me. Do you want to look at a sunset, or do you want to look at um, something that's totally unpleasant, like right. a dead animal?" Right. Um, and so most people are going to say, "Yeah, I'd like to look at that sunset," but they don't Depends want to. how goth you are, I guess. But they don't want to necessarily look at a dead animal. But the dead animal may have more meaning to it than the sunset. Right, right, right. So I think it just really depends upon uh, um, how it is presented, the context, but also um, really how well it is done. Yes. And that becomes part of that issue now, too. Who's judging that? Well, that's a good question. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know. I had a friend once who I have a lot of respect for who, who once told me, you know it when you see it. Yeah. 
And, and was he a Supreme <laughs> Court justice by chance? No, no, he's a pretty smart guy. But he, you know it when you see it, and I think that a lot of times that has to do with it. But a lot of people see things very differently. So, being able to have respect for all of those, how people see things, I think becomes an important part of our understanding and, and to our ability to create, you know, whether you want to call it good art, good design, um, good public relations. And, and there, there again, there comes in a, a question of what is um, the art of, of the 21st century? Does it become, um, is it indeed advertising? Well, but is it? But I mean, or is it media? Yeah. You know, what what is that? What is the form that we want to look at? Or should we be able? Or should we try to attack those issues in terms of making them better and making them more uh, appropriate? Well, I think that um, the argument, the the never-ending and unsolvable passionate argument about what art is. Is what art is. You yeah, know? Exactly. Well, that's part of it. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah. And I think that's the fun of it. Yeah, exactly. That is totally the fun of it, and being able to participate in a in an activity where we can, you know, agree to not disagree or whatever the case might be. I think, you know, really takes us out of uh, our safe zone, which we need to get out of that safe zone occasionally. Takes us from uh, the view of the big screen that we sometimes are stuck in front of and begin to think about, you know, talking to people once again. Yeah. yeah. And communicating in a new way. Yeah. God, that, that we, we, we seldom do that. You know, it's so funny that new equals old. It's like, it's new to sit and talk at a table with somebody. That's yeah. the oldest thing in the world, you know? It is the oldest thing in the world, yeah. but so many things have taken, taken us away from that yeah. in recent years. And, and I don't think we totally recognize that. Yeah. Um, so that becomes quite, you know, uh, something to give some thought to, for sure. Very cool. Well, Tom, you're a pleasure, pleasure to have on this show. I, I think that, you know, what I'm taking away from this conversation on, on what art can be is that art has some type of effect. And um, whether it is to bear your soul in front of a group of people, um, to create harmony or conflict, either way, to tear things down, build things up, to inspire or to challenge, whatever it might be, I think that's art. And I think that um, using that power in an institutional way to provide young people the opportunity to make a better place and a better community is a noble endeavor. And so I uh, congratulate you and thank you for what the work that you do. Well, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me here. and. Uh see what happens next. All right, man. Well, I guess we'll see you guys next week on Old Town New World. Woo! Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. I'm sorry. Um, I would like to close with a wise statement from Silent Micah. Very true. Very true, Micah. Okay, good. All right. Well, see you next week.